G'day listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Keeper League podcast. We're the AFL fantasy podcast that doesn't talk about the superstars. We only talk about the lesser knowns who are going to be the point of differences in your Keeper Leagues. As per usual, I'm joined by my co-host Kays. How are you, mate? Good evening, Ryan. I'm well. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I'm feeling uh, especially good because I'm drinking this uh, Tapachi Kombucha, Remedy Kombucha. So. Cha-ching. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, Remedy Kombucha has been good enough to uh, send us a shitload of kombucha to drink. And uh, so, yeah, we're drinking that in the show. So, if you're watching the videos or, uh, you know, having a look at the podcast, um, you can always think about the uh, the Remedy Kombucha, I guess. Now, uh, I'm a kombucha man, but I've never had a departure before. So, no. I'm going to... Uh, it's a classic uh, little pineapple flavor. It's a nice little number. Mexican there. beverage. Right, here we go. Yeah. Hmm, refreshing. Yeah, it's not too bad, is it? Yeah. It's actually, uh, they're good if you're, I always find them they're good if you just don't want to have a beer, but you don't have a soft drink at the same time. So you don't want the sugar, but you want something a bit more savory. You've got so. responsible in your old age and I really don't like it. No, it's because I had children and just hangovers are just a no-go zone anymore. So yeah, that's basically it. Anyway, enough life, <laughs> life lessons here. Let's uh, get into the free Drink remedy place. kombucha. <laughs> You've sold your soul. <laughs> Finally, we're getting paid for this. I know, I wish. <laughs> anyway. I'll take free kombucha though. Yeah, we'll take the freebies. All right, uh, let's talk about the weekend, I guess. So I yeah. went to the uh, the port trial on uh, Friday night, mm-hmm. uh, caught up with, um, well, I was, sit- I was sitting in the grandstand in the back row by myself with a with a notepad, like a real dick, just yeah. uh, taking notes. And I, it was half time and I looked down to the beer lineup and I saw Doss from the draft doctors. So yep. I took a real creepy photo of him and then sent it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, was, then he was looking around trying to spot where I was. Then I went down and surprised him and I uh, met up with, uh, yeah, Louis and Checkers from uh, Lanking Podcast as well. So I never Sorry. met those guys before, but we had a good chat and watched the second half together and yeah, talked about who we thought was some uh, fantasy relevant players, but the main standouts case. Mm, who are they? Uh, well, on the night, it was, it was Dan Houston. Everyone's raving about him, but he just kind of lived up to that hype. I know it was only a trial against you know, yourself, um, and there were yep. six midfielders playing, and you know the, the depth was uh, really stretched, but God, he looked good. He looked like they're just not Port's number one midfielder, so I think Ken Hinckley's pretty keen to get the ball in his hands and make him number one. Beautiful. Who else? Any other keeper league relevant guys? Yeah, look, uh, Connor Rosie is, um, I guess he was only, what, a 60 average uh, forward last year, high 60 mm. averaging forward last year. He looks like he's going to play a lot of midfield minutes. I think he had the first two clearance. He had definitely, definitely had the first clearance. I think he had one uh, a few minutes later as well. Um, yeah, he looks pretty pretty good to go in the midfield there. Another surprising one was Carl Amon. So a player who's you know usually a bit more of an outside type. He was attending a lot of centre bounces and playing quite inside. So I don't know if that uh, role will continue in the season. I don't know whether it was just you know they stretching out their midfielders or you know they're trying some other people on the wings and that. But because uh, it looked like Butters and uh, Dersma were running up and down the wings as well. So that could be uh, something uh, a bit different or something to watch out for if Carl Amon does move into the midfield. So, <clears throat> so when are Port playing this weekend? Are they playing this? Yeah, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, Sunday versus afternoon. Brisbane. So yep. it's a nice one to watch there. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, what do we start? We're starting on Thursday night with St Kilda and Hawthorne. So yeah. the real research begins this weekend. Pretty much, yeah. All the stuff that we've uh, said you know, prior to this episode goes out the window and uh, now we have to just look no, at some No, no, it doesn't go out the window. <laughs> it just gets finally tuned. <laughs> yeah, finally tuned. Fair enough. Worked too hard for this not to be relevant anymore. That's true. Uh, and last week we uh, talked about, in passing, like we yeah. didn't even think it would turn into anything, but we mm. talked about uh, Bad Dreams re-recording the uh, Port Adelaide song yes. uh, for this year and 
they've actually, well, someone's actually, one of our listeners has actually been in touch with them and uh, they've gotten in touch with us and uh, I guess they're keen to do it. So we're trying to uh, talk Port Adelaide into uh, getting it done. I don't know whether that includes paying for a recording session or something. I don't know how it works or getting their media team involved. But uh, basically we want you guys as our listeners just to annoy Port Adelaide. Yes, please. Tweet David Koshy. Koshy started following us on the back of it, which is- uh, Is he our most famous follower now? Oh, he'd be up there, yeah. Apart from bad drinks. We've got a direct line to the boss so I can really tell him what I think about Ken Hinckley. No, 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 no. Let's get this this project done first. Then you can go all feral hair for him. That's fair enough. Yeah, we probably should stay in his good books for a while. But yeah, um, listeners, if you're you're keen to get bad dreams to help, or keen to help us get bad dreams, uh, re-record the Port Adelaide song, just tweet Port Adelaide, tweet Koshy, tag bad dreams in it and uh, hopefully they take some notice. Two Adelaide greats. Well, an Adelaide great band and a so-so football club, but you know. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I was just trying to toe the party line there. But anyway, uh, we've rambled enough at the start now. Let's get stuck into our league spotlight for the week. Uh, we've got Jeremy from Adelaide, local boy, here to tell us about his keeper league. All right, I'm joined by Jeremy from Adelaide, uh, local boy, hometown SA, born and bred. Uh, how you going, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, man. Uh, you're here to tell us about your keeper league? Yeah, mate. Meet my sensei. That's okay. what we call ourselves. I'm not really sure exactly where that name came from, but... We are the Meet My Sensei League. Nice. And how long has it been running for? Uh, we started in 2013. What it pretty much was was um, a lot of us boys were commissioners of other leagues, like the, the one-year leagues. Yep. We were all kind of in each other's leagues, and, and then we sort of heard the concept of, of keeper leagues, and we sort of got all the commissioners from all our other leagues together and just formed this sort of elite group of commissioners. Yeah, nice. Um, and started. We didn't really know what to expect from Keeper Leagues because it was all pretty new back in those days. But, um, yeah, we had our initial draft and, you know, there was a few absolute howlers in, in that, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> there James was a... Swanet pick one was pretty nasty. Yep. Uh, 27 years of age or something. So some, some went old and, and some went young and that's that's played out over the last seven years. Okay. Well, tell us about your league. How's it, uh, how's it structured? What about squad sizes, keeper numbers, all that sort of stuff, list changes? So we have squads of 36, which is pretty big. Yep. Um, 18 players on field. So it's five backs, five, four, five mids. I can't remember, but it's 18 <laughs> players. We've got, yeah. we've got one utility, yep. a ruck, five emergencies. We've got a pretty big bench, so okay. um, we only change over six players per year. Okay, yep. So we keep the majority. We keep 30 players a year and change over six. Um, so we have 10 coaches, 60-pick draft. Um, we've kind of come to understand the importance of the draft and, yep. and trading over the journey. Yep. Remember early on, we didn't really know what was going on. I think someone traded pick one for Taylor Walker <laughs> oh dear. in year one, which is <laughs> yeah. pretty nasty. But yeah. um, now it's all about the it's all about the trading and and bliss management. It's been, that's been the real joy of the keeper league world. Yeah, nice. So when you um get to your draft, uh, I guess you have like a a fairly um I guess your talent pool is probably um, dropping down a bit there. So you're you're picking up the uh, I guess the young guns. You're going to pick up your Matt Rouse and stuff like that early this season. Is that how it works? Absolutely. Yeah. So we our like our top ten is generally very close to the the AFL's top ten, but obviously with more with more mids yep. and fantasy ways of, of relevance. Um, yep. uh, the pool the pool that's left over in our league because we have so many players we have like we had three hundred and sixty players taken up so the pool of available players is pretty pretty nasty yeah <laughs> like there's not there's not much in there man yeah so the draft is 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 crucial no one's getting any up uh, any decent pool pickups out of there so um we do put a lot of um sort of weight on the draft especially as we've got coaches that are at various leagues at various um 
you know, positions in their rebuild and in their premiership window. So, you know, we do live pick trading. We trade a lot of picks um, as coaches, you know, give their veterans to the to the teams in the window. Yep, sounds familiar. And then we move the young guys around and, you know, it's, it's all... It's all um, taken quite seriously by us left actually <laughs> all right let's uh let's keep it moving so uh yeah do you have a um i guess a premiership cup is it named after anyone what's the story there we've got a cup it's not um named after anyone specifically yeah. um it's not a big deal because none of the wives really want it in the house yeah okay <laughs> and i understand we've got this litany of different bizarre trophies um for all these different awards we we hand out we have a rising star and Australian team and and whatever else, so there's sort of cups and trophies all over the joint, but no one really wants to have them in their house. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, we've got a championship ring for for the MVP. We have like a, an MVP for the the most valuable coach off the field. Yep, like who's brought the most energy and the most sort of oh, enjoyment like and that. fun to the. And we have a speech every year where we just hang it on everybody for how useless they were or how good yeah, they that's were great. Yep. As a member of the league, yep. we always threaten. We always threaten to uh, relegate relegate coaches if they, <laughs> if they, you know, don't don't show up and, and bring their best stuff. Yeah, nice. So, no, it's all good. All right. Uh, what about uh, well, you know? We talked about Premiership Cups. What about uh, punishments? Uh, wooden spooners, stuff like that. Uh, what's to go there? You got anything like that? We've got a wooden spoon. We don't. The, 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 the wooden spooner has to pay for the engraving on all the cups, and generally yep. has to pay for. We have a Mad Monday. Yep. And uh, the wooden spoon has to kind of pay for the premier's um, dinner and drinks or whatever else. But we tend to punish the winner of the league more than the loser. Okay, it's different. Um, one of the big problems that we had in our league was equalisation. Like some of the coaches just howled it up on on the initial draft and they've just been hanging, they've just been at the bottom for years and years and years. So, you know, the, the good coaches and the bad coaches kind of said <laughs> sort of, you know, rose and fell and so we had to put in a bunch of different things to equalize the league yeah um we make the premier draft like the worst player in the afl pretty much yeah um every year with their last pick so they have like a spot on their list that they can't use we we had zach dawson yeah, as the nominee for four or five years that's the first retired. person that came to mind yeah no, no, poor, poor bloke <laughs> and now we've we've moved it to nathan brown because okay, i yep. don't think he scored either than 30 or 40 in the last couple of years either so yep but Nathan Brown's getting on, so we're look, going to be looking for a new, uh, a new howler um, at some point. Oh, so. there's plenty out there, mate. I'm sure you'll find yeah, one. We'll be able to pick one, that's for <laughs> sure. But um, yeah, equalisation has been a, it's been a, a rabbit hole we've had to deal with to try yeah. and keep everyone going. Yeah, it sounds like a bit of a task there. But uh, anyway, yeah, do um, you have any other or funny stories or anyone you want to hang shit on from your league? Oh, we've got we've got a lot of stuff we've done over the years. We've 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 got all we've all do merchandise for all our teams. We've yep. got we've got home and away Guernsey that we've made up for our teams and <laughs> and and um we've just got so many different things we do. Um we have a group chat which is a pretty infamous uh group chat. It's kinda of gets a couple of hundred messages a day on it throughout throughout the season. Um yep. Had a couple of rage chat quits, you know, David <laughs> Warner style. You sure <laughs> we're not in the same league, mate? Uh, sounds oh, very familiar here. Yeah. We, we fight like a bunch of schoolgirls in Davies' club, mate. We Absolutely. fight, we bicker. Yep. We can't get any league change, any rule changes over the line. We can go <laughs> two years just arguing about the most bizarre, minuscule things yep. you can imagine. Yep. And these little tiffs, sometimes they spill over into the real world. I went to the footy once and all the lads just ghosted me, didn't tell me they were there. Oh, um, but no, we actually, 
<laughs> we're all pretty good mates. Yeah. In the um in the group chat, we had this kind of unofficial competition going as to who could drop the most inappropriate news, okay. like the most shocking news. Yeah. And I remembered I announced one of my wife's pregnancies in there like really early, like before I'd even told my parents or my family. It was pretty awkward. <laughs> and um, yeah. <laughs> We use the group chat for some pretty hilarious stuff, but I think the problem with our league is we've just got too many commissioners in the one league, yep. too many cooks in the kitchen, Exactly. Um, and no one wants to be commissioner. Like, we've got this not my commissioner hashtag going. Um, <laughs> one, one of our commissioners decided that he would only communicate with the league via Emperor Palpatine, GIFs and memes. <laughs> okay. Just, <laughs> he wouldn't, wouldn't talk to us. So, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. all, it's all pretty crazy, mate. You know what it's like. The rabbit the rabbit hole of keeper leagues. Absolutely, a mate. Bunch of, uh, bunch no, of it... bored, grown men who just have not much else to do and and we love it, mate. For sure, mate. Uh, yep, know it all too well and it sounds yeah, eerily familiar, your league, uh, and especially the group chat stuff as well. But we might have to leave it there, mate. Uh, thanks for coming yeah, on the show fun. and uh, thanks for listening to the show and thanks for supporting us and everything. And, uh, yeah, take it easy. Love it, mate. Cheers. Thanks to Jeremy for that one. Uh, that wraps up our league spotlights for uh, this year because as we get into the Marsh series, we're going to need all the time we can get to actually talk about those. So uh, thanks to everyone who, uh, I guess, took a phone call from me and uh, let me rabble on about uh, or asking you questions about your Keeper League. It's been uh, much appreciated and uh, helps us fill some content on the show. But I know that all the listeners actually like it too. A lot of people are getting some good ideas from the uh, league spotlights. So yeah. it's something we like doing because we do like hearing all the stories of uh, what's happening out there and also gives our league a few ideas going forward. So absolutely, rip a, rip a little segment, Hef. All right, we're uh, 13 minutes into this podcast and we haven't started talking about a team yet, so we better get stuck in. First up, who we got, Kays? It is Sydney, Hef. All right, Kays, uh, first up this week, we've got uh, the Sydney Swans. So you're going to take us through their best 22 and I'll try to pick it apart as best as I can. Rightio. So from the back line, Will Gould. Dane Rampey, Cullen Mills, with Jordan Dawson, Aliyah Aliyah, and Jake Lloyd across the halfback line. Ollie Florent, Josh Kennedy, and James Rowbottom along the centre with Callum Sinclair, Luke Parker, and George Hewitt through the rucks. Forward line of Isaac Heaney, Lance Franklin, and Tom Papley with Will Hayward, Mick Blakey, and Tom McCarson, leaving Harry Cunningham, Sam Gray, Lewis Taylor, and Sam Reed on the pine. All right. The uh, first thing I'm thinking when I see this team, I guess you've uh, probably left Dylan Stevens out of the side after there's a lot of hype of him coming straight in. So yes. you've got Sam Green and Lewis Taylor there on the bench. I thought those were probably the two contentious ones that could probably go out. What do you think? Fair call. Uh, I am all in on Dylan Stevens this year. I think all the hype is coming out of Sydney. So more than happy to take that feedback there. But I think, you know, potentially just round one, if they do start Will Gould in that back pocket, that uh, they might just go a little bit safe over over budding the two youngsters, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me either. I reckon he's really around the mark. Oh, he's every chance with all the retirees they've had on the, in the off-season as well, Most of, a lot of them defenders anyway, so I reckon he comes straight in. I think you're right there. Um, anyone else you don't like there? No, I think apart from that, it's okay. I haven't really had a too good a look at it, but no, it looks pretty good in first at first glance. But yeah, all right, we can move on, I reckon. So let's talk about your first player, case. Righty, yeah, mate. Uh, we start off with James Rowbottom. So my new boy gets the addition of Ford status in 2020, which makes him a very tasty proposition. Now, 
Previously, if you only kept the uh, mid-only status this year, there's always guys like him who become risky keeper chances. But the fantasy gods have granted us him uh, DPP with center forward. So, basically takes him from one of those risky choices to a must-have, in my opinion. So, Robottom played 12 games in his debut season for a 63 average. In that, he had four games of 77+, plus, which is a good little turnout for a first-year player. And considering he only played 67% time on ground, they are some very good numbers. When he went back and played the knee full, his knee full numbers were ridiculous. He played eight games, averaged 119 points, uh, averaging 17 kicks, 13 handballs, four marks, and seven tackles. So in the knee full, never had a game under 105 points and had a PB of 142 points. Now, talking about what we just spoke before with the, the Swans kind of rejuvenating their list. So you've got no Jack. Uh, no Zach Jones, no Kieran Jack, no uh, McVeigh back there. So they're going to have to blood a few youngsters. Yes, they've got Taylor and Gray in there in the mix coming in uh, from other teams. But I reckon that opens up spots for, yeah, your Stevens, um, your Goulds. But then it also means that someone like Robottom just holds that spot throughout the year. So I think he's going to play basically all games in 2020. There's a good size about him. He tackles really well, um, averaging five tackles per game in the AFL, which was uh, rooping numbers for a first-year player. So he's a real get on board for me this year as a, a DPP. I reckon he's someone you need to have in 2020. Yeah, I don't mind the look of him. Could he actually be this year's Jordan Dawson case? Better. Those, well, I just mean those NEFL numbers. That's why we liked Jordan Dawson last year and yeah. comes straight in and uh, could do the similar well, type damage. Yeah, well, obviously the NEFL numbers are fantastic. You know, he's averaging 30 touches as an 18, 19-year-old kid, which is a massive tick in the, even in the NEFL. But the fact that he came in and played, um, you know, yeah. 12 AFL games and didn't look out of touch and, you know, tackled well. And, and really, I, the thing for me is that time on ground percentage, you know, 67% averaging 63. You know, you add on another 10% there and, you know, his numbers raise up to a, a low mid-70s easy. Definitely monitor the time on ground stuff because if that does increase, then there's a chance he, uh, he boosts it. Some players just are low time on ground players. Like you see players like Ollie Wines mm-hmm. who are six, seven years in and still only play about those sort of numbers. So you've got to be wary of that. I don't know enough about his, you know, fitness type or, you know, what he's like with his running and stuff like that with his tanks to uh, actually comment on that, but just something to monitor, I think, going in. Well, I'm chips in. I'm chips in this I know year. you are. Yes. Is he, I reckon he's going to be kept in our league though. So he's definitely going to be kept. So yeah. uh, I've almost given up there, but uh, if, if how I was many, done, How many trade offers have you thrown? The <laughs> I haven't, haven't thrown any, mate. Oh, I'm, really? Uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm uh, Try to get on in the action just so I can have some leverage over you. Bugger off. (laughs) All right, we'll talk about my next player, uh, Sam Gray. So I think he may have been recruited in case Papley was on the move. Um, It's kind of slot into that kind of forward role, um, pinch hit midfield type thing. But with Papley staying, I'm not sure if he's actually best 22, but he's worth having a look at. So if he does play, he could be handy up forward. He averaged 75 last season and had uh, eight scores over 80 and three above 100. So, you know, some of the the players we talk about through this don't score anything anywhere near that. So Mm. we talk about potential but this guy could actually come in and fill a hole for you um he came from games um those i'm sorry those big scores came from games where he's running through the midfield had a lot of lower scores as well and that's the, those were the games he was stuck up forward so there's a bit of risk in there whether where he plays um sydney are a bit weaker in the midfield at the moment just with a few retirees i think so he's an outside chance it's a midfield time my suspicion is they'll blood younger players in there but uh yeah there is some there is a chance that he could just pinch hit in there as well just looking at his uh i guess history so previously he has averaged 87 before and that was in 2016 when he played as a midfielder and 82 in 2017 as well so midfielder mainly in those seasons as well Mm. Um, but yeah pinching out forward kind of plays the roles between two so Pardon me. Uh, if he can produce these numbers again, I reckon he's going to be a real handy forward. And, you know, the new club always opens up new possibilities. So, mm. what do you think, Case? Yeah, I'm quite keen on him. Sam Gray is always one of those ones who, 
you know, never really was any, anyone high on anyone's radar, I don't think, but always played a role for your fantasy team in week in, week out. And look, as you said, I still think there's a lot of blokes in that Sydney midfield who can run through that midfield, you know, like we always talk about Mills and Dawson and, you know, Heaney and Papley can even go through there. So I think it kind of fits that mix quite nicely. And for me, if I was a uh, horse, I'd almost be playing Gray over Lewis Taylor. If yeah, you, if I would it was too. between the two, because yes, Taylor probably has a. Uh, actually, I wouldn't say he's actually got a bit more goal now. So I, I just think Gray is a bit more polished player all round. Uh, so someone who can kind yeah. of play through the midfield and the forward. Whereas I think Taylor himself is just a genuine forward pocket, forward flanker. Where Taylor wins is whether he's having a, a shot from outside 25 metres, because I'm not sure if Sam Gray can make that distance. So that's probably the one up he's got there. Yeah, but, but he can just pop it up for big <laughs> Nick Blakey to just come and go bang. That's what he needs, yeah, if he makes 15. But, but uh, uh, yeah. he's obviously not going to be kept, I don't think, in, in many leagues. But I reckon he could get in mid-draft and uh, be pretty happy with uh, that for a forward option. We have a mid-season draft, and he's always the type that's available. And I picked him up last year, and yeah, he's good for an 80 here and there yeah. that kind of really pumps up your team. So if he's playing, definitely take a look. Look at him. Definitely. All right, who's your next player? My next player is, speak of the man, Nick Blakey. So, as the official president of the Young Key Forwards fan club, I have to talk about Nick Blakey. So, this kid played 21 games in his first season of footy, which is completely ridiculous for an 18, 19-year-old. And what's more ridiculous is that he only went goalless on five occasions. So, for a young bloke, you know, he's still quite a bit... um, Still quite lightly framed, but he just has the... He's, there's something about him. I just actually really love watching him. So, did only average the 49, but there's something about him that just screamed future fantasy gun to me. So, he did have two scores in the 80s, and he did show that those scores weren't necessarily goal-reliant because he only actually kicked one goal in each of those matches. So, shows he can get the touches, does the um, can tackle, take some grabs, etc., um, but he did also have 11 games of the 21 where he did have double-figure touches. So, for a big guy, and we know that key forwards don't always get their hands on the ball that much, I think that if he can be, you know, notching up um, regular double-figure touch games, some good tackle numbers, and, you know, as we know, at least a goal a game, that's just really, really good signs going forward. So, I suppose the question is, will 2020 be his big year? I'd, I'm not sure whether his uh, fantasy numbers are going to go massive from 49 up to, you know, 75 or something this year. But I reckon he can kind of push into that mid to high 70s but then come 2021 the third year breakout you know probably uh, buddies moved on a bit more getting playing less games i think i'm going to be all over him like a fat kid on a cupcake in 2021 but uh definitely a stash for this year and there is something about nick blakey that i like um, well, we all know my opinions on key forwards. He is the athletic type that does have the big tank that can move at the ground. My main concern with key forwards is not just that. Like, I just don't have – it's not like a you know blanket reason why I don't like them. I just think like this is there's no coincidence saying someone say like Nick Rewalt mm. that there hasn't been a good fantasy key forward. And I just think the game's changed too much for them to actually score. So – someone who goes and watches every second week uh, at the ground, you'll notice that when the ball's... Like, this is something you might not see if you're not watching every week, that when the ball's off like up the field, all the defenders are pushing back, and that's no secret, but it just... It's so hard for actual key forward to create or make a space, lead these days, yeah. any kind of space. And you don't really see it until the ball's kicked on TV mm-hmm. when it's happening. But there's absolutely no room for them to actually move into these days. And players like Nick Rewalt and Matthew Pavlich and stuff would, and even like Warren Treadray back in the day, those types, they'd lead all the way up to basically the half back line and take a grab. There's no way they can do that anymore. So they're relying on the ball to be kicked on top of their heads, pluck a mark and then kick a goal. I just don't. I just don't see key forwards scoring like they used to anymore. But for me, I feel that Norton, you know, those kind of players, even potentially throw Blakey in that mix. 
that they're basically tall midfielders now because they need to run so much and they've got the height and they can take grabs. So they're actually good all around the ground. Yes, their key key objective in a game is to kick goals. I just think it, start, it just screws them. Like they're just absolutely exhausted by the time they have to go back and you know take marks and kick goals and make leads. It just doesn't work out anymore. That's why I say it. Yeah, I, I disagree. But uh, I think that not all key forwards are great fantasy prospects. You know, like yeah. I'm not going to go, you've got to have Jack Rewalt, you've got to have Tom Hawkins. Well, do you I'm think, do you think it's just a coincidence that we haven't had a good fantasy key forward in the last, you know, four, since, say, Rewalt replied? What, so replied. Buddy's not a good key forward? Buddy? Yeah. He hasn't been a good key forward in the last four years yeah, like, as a fantasy key forward. Getting old, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like yeah. you're saying that the so young this, ones coming I'm talking through. talking about this next crop is going to be. Yeah. There's going to be Nick Rialt in them. I'm yeah, talking yeah. Norton, well, Kerno, so. these kind of guys. They're going to be absolute jets. I just think we would have seen one established since kind of like the last kind of crop that were good. I think that's the reason why we haven't seen one actually develop. It's not because there hasn't been a good one. There's guys with a similar type of potential. They're just not allowed to play the same game as they used to. Well, 2020 will be the year. Mark right. my I, hope, I hope you're right because nothing's better than watching a key forward score 150 uh, fantasy points, but I just don't see it happening very often anymore. Agree to disagree. All right. Uh, next player I'm going to talk about is Colin O'Riordan. So he only averaged 55 last year and went backwards from the previous year where he averaged 65. So a lot of people thought he was uh, on the up, but he was a regular for a large chunk of last year, I think he played about nine games in a row in the middle of the season where he was in Sydney's best 22. So why on earth is he playing each week when he's only scoring 55 and things like that? Well, he's actually a great intercept defender and he's always involved in a lot of Sydney scoring. So that's why a horse liked to play him, I think. So looking at his knee full numbers, this guy was absolutely immense. He played five games for an average of 119, averaging, sorry, 190 fantasy points that is, averaging 33 disposals per game. So he played the same role in the knee full just off the half back. So a lot of these guys you'll see go into the midfield and just dominate playing Nifu. He specifically played the exact same role in the Nifu because that's the role they want him to play in the AFL. So in the Nifu, he was the best intercept player in the competition. I don't know if that's a hard thing to do or not, but the, but it seems like John Longmire wants him to play. So he just needs to replicate his Nifu scoring at AFL level. Now that's easier said than done, but we always like these kind of guys who go huge in the Nifu because there's a chance that, you know, even if they score 20, 30 points less in the AFL, they're going to be handy fantasy scorers. So mm. he looks like a fantasy player to me. Now he just needs to score like one. So where's he going to fit into that back line? Yeah, that's a very good question. So, well, I guess what if um, someone like Will Gould doesn't work out or Jordan Dawson could go into the midfield? Mm. So that's another thing as well. And actually, that's something we should have brought up in your best 22 that how impact, like those two are going to really impact each other's scoring on those halfback flanks, I think, if they both play there. So with uh, that's Jordan Dawson and Jake Lloyd, um, both on the halfback flanks. But anyway, um, yeah, so that could actually come to fruition if uh, I guess Horse wanted to start using Jordan Dawson in the midfield again, which I personally think is his best position, not just because I own him I want him to score bulk points, bias, but uh, bias. I think he should be playing midfield anyway because he can just do everything. Um, but anyway, what do you think about Aridden? Uh Fantasy numbers are great. Uh, I just worry in that- In the Nifle, you mean? In the Nifle, yes. <laughs> um, but I just worry about, you know, um, holding a position in that Sydney backline if they're full strength. You know, like they've got a few handy kids and they've recruited, you know, not too bad. I know they're not defenders, but I think they've got enough talent to roll through that backline without necessarily relying on him. Um, but one of those ones that is definitely a monitor, definitely worth a late pick for me, but uh, not someone I can see slotting into that defence too comfortably. Yeah, look, he's very, he's a very late speculative pick. If you hey, we're the him. Keeper League pod, man. We talk about these guys. Exactly. Kays, tell us something about Oliver Florent. Yes. Now, Mr. Florent had a very hot end to the 2020 season and has had some serious preseason hype about him too coming out of Sydney. So, 
In his third year, uh, Florent averaged just a moderate 69 points from 21 games, which was slightly up from his 63 points from 22 games the year prior. Now, owners probably would have expected a bit more from Oli going forward in 2019, but they would be licking their lips the way he finished off the year. So, he did only notch up the one ton for the season, which was 113 point PB against Port, but Florent did also have four scores in the 90s, including 299, so just missed that magical ton by one point on two occasions. So Florent missed round 19, but then finished off the year with an 89.5 average from his last four games, showing he really has that ability to pick up some good numbers. Now, with some natural progression, I think he'll add a few more touches and tackles to his numbers each week, especially as you see the the slowing down of Josh Kennedy. And he's just going to be one of those Sydney Swans midfield leaders of the future. And if you believe the reports coming out of the Harbour City, then 2020 is Florent season. Yeah, I like the look of him at the end of last year. I think as well, like as you mentioned, with a few of the older boys retiring, I know they didn't um, actually play a lot last year, those older folks like blokes like Kieran Jack and stuff who would usually take up a little bit of midfield time off of him. And then I guess Dan Hanabry left the year before and it didn't really affect his numbers. But I think, yeah, the key is Kennedy as they get on. Horse looked like he wanted to kind of give someone else the mantle mm. in their midfield, uh, I guess apart from Luke Parker as well. So it looked like at the end of last year he was just given more responsibility and, uh, yeah, they wanted to get the ball in his hands more so hopefully that uh, equates to some more fantasy scoring from Florent yeah he's a good size there's something about him that you know I think it's just that that tall mid hybrid that just he, looks good he looks like food. a child still yeah after three years <laughs> yeah but have you seen the pictures of his preseason? No, nah, I haven't actually. He's like ripped. Oh, aren't they like all these days? mini Nat 5. Oh, they're all, they're all mini Nat 5. Correct. These days. Everyone's mini Nat 5. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll move on to my last player, and that's uh, Lewis Squizzy Taylor. Um, so he was out of the side at Brisbane after round 12 last year and only averaged 70 last season. Um, obviously, he was traded to Sydney as a result. But halfway through last year, he went back to the knee for, and I guess reinvented himself as a bit of a winger. So he always played that high half forward role, a bit of a connector role at Brisbane. Uh, but yeah, so started playing in the midfield a bit more on a wing. So he averaged 108.6 from 12 games in the knee fall last year. And he never averaged more than 77 in the AFL, but he was always handy forward cover. So this year, he looks like he's going to be, well, he might be playing on a wing if he gets a game at Sydney. So the only issue is he's mid only now. So mm. he loses a fair bit of value without that forward status. Normally I'd write this guy off straight away, just knowing his past and now knowing he is mid only and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, but I guess just the new club always piques my interest. You never know when a guy like this is going to bounce back moving to another club. So I reckon just monitor him in the Marsh series to see how he goes because there could be something, a little bit of something there. As a mid only, I just can't go near him. I just, yeah. uh, you know, if you even if he goes back into the AFL and plays every game and he's averaging 77, you can't really carry a 77 mid only. The only way I pick him up is if we watch the Marsh two games he plays and he's absolutely dominating. He looks like he's going to be in the side round one. Mm. I pick him up really late just as like cover. And that's it. Because he will get him late because I don't yeah. think there's going to be too many people going, at, going for him as yep. a mid only. You know, if he had the DPP or even the forward status, you'd probably... He'd probably yep. rise up some more ranks, but yeah. as a mid only, it's bloody tough to like, find. Even a spot if he tears it up, he's still a late pick for me. Like I just wouldn't trust him. Interesting about the Nefil numbers, you know, they're still. I know we always joke about the Nefil being pretty average, but you know, 108 is not too bad for a wingman, really. Nah. So, um, but how it's going to translate take 30 into 30 off, and that's your AFL score. So. Yeah, and so which is be, what he is. Could 70, be 80. 70, 78. You know, yeah. so. But yeah, as a he'd have to be an M six or something like that, or you know bench cover each week. Bench but it's just not it's yeah. just not really worth the punt. I don't think. Nah, no, probably not. Unless he's yeah playing each week. Anyway, we'll move on to the West Coast Eagles. <laughs>
And that there is the theme song of the West Coast Eagles. The, the old one. The old one, not the new one with uh, Birds of Tokyo and uh, not like the re-recorded version that we're going to hear from Bad Dreams um, doing Port Adelaide's very soon. Not like Hell that yeah. one. But oh, What's with that West Coast song though? Did they, when they wrote that, did they actually think that, oh shit, a group of footballers are going to have to sit around in a circle after a game and actually sing, we're flying high for like five minutes before that actually gets into the song. Did they actually think about that? No, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's yes. a terrible song. Basically, any theme song written after or from the new clubs that have come into the VFL, I suppose. Except for crap. the big, big sound. Uh, it's an okay song. <laughs> that's, that's the best out of like. That's one of the best in the league, but it's top five. It's top five. It's top five. Yeah, yeah. Be top five. So, that's one of the later ones, but I think they actually realise that, yeah, clubs actually have to sing this well, after they, they win. Well, it was crafted by a bloody good. Good music. Yeah, so, so that's uh, sure. Actually yeah. put someone good in charge. Makes sense. All right, uh, let's read your best 22 for West Coast. Rightio, from the back line, Brad Shepard, Tom Barras and Jackson Nelson. Halfback line of Shannon Hearn, Jeremy McGovern and Lewis Jetta with Elliot Yao, uh, Jack Redden and Andrew Gaff through the midfield. Nick Natnui, Luke Shuey and Tim Kelly in the guts with Jamie Cripps, Jack Darling, Dom Sheed in the half forward line. Oscar Allen, Josh Kennedy, and Liam Ryan up forward with Nathan Vardy, Jack Petrocelli, Will Schofield, and Liam Duggan on the bench. Um, yeah, I've noticed that you've uh, left out my boy, Jake Waterman. What's the go there? Um, Didn't even make your emergencies, plus, but he played finals and stuff last year. Yeah, look. What's the know, go? Tim Kelly's in, Waterman out. Yeah, I guess, but Tim should have a different role. But, I, I, but I that, that said, if I look at the forward line, I don't know who I leave out of that side because yeah, that pushes, yeah, Dom Sheed, I guess, into a half-forward flank. Maybe I'd take Jack Petricelli out or something like that, yeah. um, who's a bit more of an impact player. But I don't know. Someone I think, like this is not going with the best 22, but someone I think is actually a little bit underrated this season, and I haven't talked about him here, is mm. Jamie Cripps. So if you look up, actually, no, I have talked about him this, so we'll talk about that later. Sorry. I did remember that I wrote up on him, so I won't give that away. My thing with West Coast is uh, uh, potentially because we don't get a heap of Perth media here in Adelaide, but like I really don't know much about anyone that's not best 22 at West Coast. Yeah. Like, you know, like even, you know, the guys like Petricelli or, you know, you know. I feel like they don't rotate through a lot of their squad. No, it's just it's, the it same just guys like coming in and exact, out. Yeah. But I just feel it's like West Coast is just an old set squad. Yeah. And then there's just a few guys who come in for a few games. You never really get a good glimpse of them, especially in the AFL. Well, so. I think they're a big chance this year, especially with Tim Kelly in and if Nick Natnui can stay fit, they're going to go very close, I think. I think Nick Natnui is almost the key because, yeah. you know, like having someone like Vardy or uh, Hickey in that side doesn't really give you the best nah. thing at the middle. And you've really got one of the best midfields in the comp with, um, you know, Gaff, Yo, Shuey and Kelly now. So just that mid- yeah, ridiculous. that midfield is amazing, isn't it? Just looking at it on paper, it's like ridiculous. those six players there in the middle of that field are just yeah, top shelf. Yeah. All right, let's move on to looking at some players. Who you got first? Rightio. So first up is Liam Duggan. Now he's a guy who's always promised but never quite delivered. So uh, especially in our league, Duggan's been a player on many fantasy coaches' lips, but just hasn't risen to the occasion. So on the last three seasons, he's averaged bang on sixty-seven points. But at 23, you almost feel there's a bit more to come to his game and ability, and but it just seems whenever you think he's going to take that step, he lets you down. So, 8 out of 15 and 9 out of 21 games uh, in his last two years, he's averaged, uh, sorry, he's scored 70-plus, but just doesn't take that game to the next level with big scores. And for a defender, that kind of lets you down because he has a few too many 40s. So, yes, those plus 70s are great, but it's just those 40s and 30s and 50s that really gets uh, Liam Duggan coaches down. So, saying all of that, 
Looking at the squad, so Hearn is 32 and uh, Shepard's 28 now. Obviously, that's not too old, but uh, pushing towards the latter part of his career. I just feel that there might be a slight chance that someone like Duggan can get a bit more of a fantasy-friendly role, especially with potentially Hearn coming into his last season of footy. For me, he has the tools to be a consistent defender. It's just whether he can do something with them in 2020 and start to be the fantasy scorer, uh, he probably should be. So, interesting to see what the role will be this year. Um, one to take late in drafts, I feel. But, uh, yeah, with West Coast, there's just uh, the same old, same old keep delivering for their side. So, it's hard to see where Duggan might take that next step up in 2020. I think it's the same old, same old from Duggan every year as well. Like, we keep talking on each year he could be the next uh, fantasy goer in West Coast side, but it just never comes to fruition. So, he's kind of one of those players that I've written off by now and I wouldn't be taking too much of a look at. But look, like like you said, if Hearn does go down, Mm. say if he gets injured and goes out, I think Shepard kind of is their main ball user out of defence though, more so. Like we saw him take over that from Hearn at the end of last year anyway because Hearn's numbers were on the decline towards the end of the season anyway. Mm. Um, I don't know. Duggan, yeah, look, late. Like, I'm I'm all about best 22 players this year because yep. I need some <laughs> in my side. And he's the best so, 22 player. And he's the best 22 player. So, he's, he's something I'd probably look at picking up. But that's my circumstances. It just depends on the circumstances of your team. Fair call. Who you right. got, mate? All right, I'll talk about Jay Waterman after I had a bit of a sook that you were. Unlucky to know that, yeah, the best 26. Yeah, not even yeah. in your emergencies what's going on there anyway uh, controversial I'm the cane corns of fantasy oh geez you're a little bit better bloke than cane corns but anyway Um, split between AFL and Waffle last season was Jake Waterman Uh, his AFL average was 61 however he did average 72 from his last three games so he's listed as a key forward in the prospectus but he doesn't really play like one especially with um, Kennedy and Darling in the side and then Oscar Allen sitting in that pocket too he gets forced up the ground a lot more Um, so if we look at his game against Richmond last year they played him on a wing and and um, he actually reminded me a lot of the Crows' Tom Lynch when, you know, he plays at his best, or sorry, when uh, Waterman plays at his best. He kind of reminds me of the Crows' Tom Lynch, um, just the way he was kind of connected to the forward lines, pushing up to the wing and that next delivery inside 50. So, if you look at his waffle numbers, um, he averaged 92 in the waffle, which is big for, for waffle, really, because there's not a lot of 100-plus scorers in there. So, look. In between, um, he's in between the first uh, team and the second team at the moment with the reserves. If he cements a spot, I think he'll be a handy late pickup going forward because he does have a few uh, tricks in the bag that he can use and he has shown he can be a handy fantasy scorer, you know, pump out the odd 80, 90 here and there as well. So, I don't know, Kaz, do you have much of an opinion on Jake Waterman? Not a massive opinion. Look, 191 centimetres isn't ridiculously tall for yeah. a key kind of a forward or, a, you know, a that mid hybrid kind of forward. It's just, you know, when they're full strength and, you know, we didn't really see the best of Josh Kelly last year in the West coast side. I think, you know, darling Kennedy, um, and Oscar Allen are probably the three key forwards in there. And then they've got the smaller guys rotating through. And as we said, because they've got so many good midfielders that they have to kind of rotate some of these guys through the half forward flank. I'm talking especially, yeah, your Sheeds and Kelly. So it's just, I just kind of find it hard to see where he just fits into that side. Yeah. That's my only problem with someone like Waterman. Tim Kelly, yeah, pushes him out a little bit for mine. But yeah, like some of your bench players, I think he could come on for as well. So I reckon um, he's a chance. He will play next season. So the thing is whether I can see him becoming a, a really good fan score probably not it's just I honestly don't have don't can't get that excited about West Coast from our side of view our, our point of view from a yeah. fantasy keeper Keep league like we want. you know you get your you've got your top kind of six to ten players at West Coast who are guns and then it's just like bits real scraps in between there so they're yeah it's a team I couldn't get too excited about when doing the preview yeah, sure. All right, let's move on to your next player. Uh, Josh Kennedy. So, I'm looking for a big bounce back from 2020 from the former Coleman medalist. So, 
Kennedy hasn't done a pre-season in three years, but he's just finishing up his first full one heading into 2020. So, in 2016 and 2017, when he was an absolute gun of the competition, he averaged 88 and 82. Uh, and then the last two years, 2018 and 2019, only averaged the miserly 65 and 54. As well, his game time's been down 10% over those last two years. So, obviously, fitness, um, no pre-season's been a massive um, effect on his scoring and football ability the last two seasons. What I like about this is everyone's going to be riding off JK on draft night. They're going to say, too old, he's past it. But I think you're just going to get an absolute gun for pocket change going forward. So, obviously, he's probably more one for the team who's hunting a flag and not worried about age. But uh, I've banged on a lot about this this preseason. One, you want best 22 players and one, you want guys who have done full preseasons and are fit flying into 2020. Kennedy takes two of those boxes and I think for a very late pickup in a in most uh, keeper league drafts, you're going to get a steal with Josh Kennedy this year. Yeah, I reckon he's pretty undervalued this year as well. If you look at him in Fantasy Classic, he's actually probably a, a half-decent pickup. I think he's priced like 450k. So, um, yeah, he might be a, my handy one there, but we don't really talk about that format here. But, uh, yeah, look, I like the look of him in, in, in like he's going to be one of my targets for like my bench spots as well because if you can get a guy like him coming off your bench, it's pretty damn handy, mm-hmm. especially with the scarcity of forwards this year. If you're in the hunt for a flag, he's probably one you want to be looking at late to kind of just fill out the list, I think. Because people are going to look at his last year average, which was 54. Yeah. And they're just going to think he's over the hill and he's not. He's done a full preseason. He's ready to go. He's ready to kick bags and could get back up to that 80 average. No worries. Yeah. If West Coast are dominating as well, he could definitely have those big bags at 10 and stuff that he loves kicking. For sure. All right. Uh, we'll talk about my next player. And this is the guy I said was under- underrated uh, before. And that's uh, Jamie Cripps. So Cripps had a bad run with injuries last season. So he only averaged 64 in 2019. Now Cripps only had one... 100 plus score and that happened in finals so it doesn't actually count uh, you know towards his season scores but it doesn't really bump his averages up that much because he's still pretty out of shit yeah um, look he had 8 scores above 80 from uh, 19 games and that, that's if you do include finals but he had lots of low scores that kind of dented the average some 20s some 30s and stuff like that not always injury affected as well he was just kind of playing low time on ground and that sort of stuff coming back from injury things like that but uh, look if you look at his averages uh, prior to 2019 so here we go in 2018 which uh, coincidentally was the Big Hoofers uh, premiership year no one and cares. he was a premiership player no one cares um, he averaged 81 that year and I think he actually had 114 or something like that in the grand final which was nice uh, but then looking at 2017 71 2016 he averaged 71 as well 2015 he averaged 81 so he loves the ones okay so basically if he can get back to what he was the last you know four or five years, he's definitely a handy kind of one of your last forward spots slash bench cover, I find. Um, he's not super old. I think he's about 26. 28. 28, is he? Okay, that's a little bit older than I thought. But um, look, if he's fully fit, I think he should at least be a 75 average minimum. So I reckon that's pretty handy. Yeah, again, considering the scarcity of forwards, you can get a 75 average uh, forward into your team late. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be handy to fill up your team. Yeah, I think if you're hunting for a flag and hunting for consistent players who are going to play each week, Cripps is the one. He's just one of those guys, especially for me, who is never really hunting a flag that hard because my team's crap. But um, no, nah, but uh, are we the just, wrong people to be giving this? No, podcast? definitely not. I am. <laughs> I love finding diamonds in the rough. I've flagged nah, up before, so I've got some credentials. No, nah, but Jamie Cripps is just one of those guys that people just easily overlook. Just be like, nah, small forward, not too interested. But when you actually delve deeper into the numbers, he's very, very handy. Especially if you are, I just chasing that F three, F four, F five in uh, in your team this year. Oh, just F3, F4, F5, just somewhere between that, but lower. 
I think so. Okay, no, that's you're talking that's, 71. No, I'm just saying that's a, that's a, that's a big hole. Like F3, F4, F5. Depend, well, you said that <laughs> if, if forwards are that scarce this year, I know, he I know. could easily be F3 by the end of the year. Narrow it down to one of those spots. You take him your F3, your F4, or your F5. F4. Okay, there we go. That's better. Shoot, shoot from the middle. Hey. I right. like to be very like vague, then I can't ever be in trouble. <laughs> exactly. You can't be wrong if you just say every possibility. Correct. Yeah, yeah. good. All right. They won't be F1. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that too. Unless All your right. team stinks. Let's move on to uh, Hamish Brayshaw, which you've got. I do. So, Mr. Brayshaw is really only getting a, getting a mention in here because his last name is Brayshaw, and I think we're um, obliged to talk about every Brayshaw in the league. Do you reckon but, his uh, parents love him as much as the other two? Maybe they like him more. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe he's a bit more of the normal one. He's the younger one, isn't he? So I don't know. He's the younger he's kid. The sh- he's the shittest one at football. Well, you don't know that. He just has an opportunity. Okay, well, we'll wait and see. Go on. His, num- his waffle numbers were exceptional. So he uh, had eight tons from 16 games, um, which is very, very good going because you don't actually see that many big scores in the waffle. So had a PB of 127 points and averaged a tick under 100 last season. Uh, and his only poor score of the year was an injury-affected 55. They're good numbers for the waffle. They are, 99. 0.8 average, which, uh, yeah, is probably top 10 easily in the waffle. So, he averaged 15 kicks, 8 handballs, and 7 tackles. So, another good tackler in the family. The thing is, we did see him get delisted and then re-recruited over the off-season, which uh, we've talked about earlier. That's probably not as big a worry now as it once was, just because uh, clubs play, you know, a bit of funny buggers with their... The salary cups, etc. Um, but on stats, I think he's almost got to come into your calculations, especially if he gets a run in the Marsh series this year. Now, obviously, the West Coast midfield runs so deep, but, um, you know, there's always a chance, you know, just get that one game. He could uh, deliver a couple injuries in the West Coast side. He's got the fantasy pedigree, um, one to monitor coming up this week in the in the Marsh series, but probably one to monitor more so if you're playing the waiver wire. Just uh, keep a look at it for his waffle scores on um, our website. We'll have them up each week. But, uh, yeah, it could be a nice little streamer if he does get a run in the West Coast midfield. I will not be surprised if he is still in the pool after our draft this year. I just cannot see him with that with a West Coast midfield, mm. and uh, yeah, look, and just I think he sometimes is just picked because he's a Brayshaw, and I would not be surprised if he doesn't have an AFL club at the end of this year without playing a game this season. Boom! Yeah, whack. Sorry, mate. Sorry, Hamish Brayshaw. Sorry, Hamish. Yeah, I don't mean I don't mean to be mean. Hate you, but nah, I actually like you. It's just a fact of life. You know, some people make it, some people don't. He might get it. Re- he might get. Um, picked up by another club. Who knows? Okay, who knows? I don't. <laughs> All right, let's move on to my last player, and that is the big man Nick Natnui. So he is going to be super hungry this year. I guess missing out on the flag a couple of years ago, and then bombing out of finals the way they did last year. He's ready to go. Um, especially if you watched him in the finals too, he looked like a man possessed. But basically, three injury interrupted years finally gets a full preseason into him, and he looks ready to go. He averaged seventy two last season uh, from three. Red- regular season games added uh, in his final scores and he gets his average up to 78 for the year. Um, Nick Natnui had an 80 plus average from 2015 to 2018, but he just let's point out that he didn't actually play at all in 2017. So I don't know if you can you know, count them the same numbers. The average in the zero, I don't know. No. Um, anyway, uh, look, he's going to be a low time on ground player probably for the rest of his career. The good thing about Nick Natnui is that his points per minute numbers are generally through the roof. So 
he'll ruck the whole time he's on the ground. He won't rest up forward, all that sort of stuff. He'll win taps, he'll tackle, take marks, get touches, all that sort of stuff. Should go, still go around the 80 mark with the low uh, time on ground because of the points per minute scoring. Mm-hmm. The issue is the durability. He is very injury prone after doing two knees and I think it was an ankle last year. It, it doesn't look like he's going to stay on the park for long periods of time. That said, he's done the full preseason. He looks ready to go and when rucks are pretty scarce these days, he could be a handy pickup. What do you think, Case? Uh, I don't want to touch him at all. You don't think he's going to be oh, kept in our league? I know that for yes. a fact. Well, I'm an ex Nick Nat owner. Yep. Um, so am I, actually. Yeah. As has been this, around. As of last week. Um, look, especially if you're starting a new keeper league this year, don't go anywhere near him because it's just uh, the West Coast Ruck situation after Nick Nat is bad. Nick Nat himself is an impact player. Ruckman, he's an absolute jet of the competition. Love watching him play footy. But as you said, he doesn't really play that much time on ground. He's a very much a in, out, um, off the ground, do his job get off his his game has obviously changed a lot because he just can't be out there for as long as he wants to be because he's um had the injury issues so um i don't know i suppose potentially but if you take him you've actually then got to take nathan vardy and tom hickey yeah you've got to have, so you've got to have three ruckman on your yeah. spots which is just a waste because there's a fair chance nick nat will miss you know four or five games next year and then you've got to try and slot in a hickey and a vardy in there and it just gets messy if he's fit for the whole season let's say hypothetically he's fit yes. for the whole season yep. does nick and you're playing a 12 team league like us yeah does nick that become a top 12 ruckman in the competition if he plays every game this season uh he could be but if you were drafting a new league i would tell every coach not to draft him yeah like but there's that from said, the start like, of the season. Yep, I would if you were a twelve no, team no, league. I, agree with I would that. not be having. Nick it's Nat. more so that in our leagues where you have teams that have like four ruckmen, good ruckmen sitting on their list, mm. you've got to take someone. Yep. Nick Nat Nui is actually a viable option for those people that don't have a ruck option this season, and he's available. I think. Yeah, it's just a durability. Durability is a massive yeah, concern. That's what I mean. So you've got to, like you said, you've yeah, got but to, he's he's only ever going to be like an eighty average. Yeah, but which well, is fine for you. Like, are you? All I'm saying is, some people are going to be forced into taking him. I think because they're going to need a ruckman. Yeah. But like you said, you're going to have to take those handcuffs. They're going to be vital to yeah. your team. This which season. clogs up your list because you've actually gone from you know we have thirty two on our list. Yeah. So you've only got twenty nine. You've got yeah. twenty nine players when yeah. you take. So it's just a for me, it's a waste. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just yeah, like I said, some people are going to have to do it. But we'll move on and we'll start looking at the Western Bulldogs. Now, Kays, that's a song you could sing along to if you just won a game of football. Yes. I find. It is. Not like we're flying high for five minutes. So Tigerland's up there. Uh, Geelong one's up there. Essendon one's up there. I don't know. Big, big sounds up there. Big, big sounds up there. <laughs> yes. I don't Sydney, know. Sydney's pretty good. Yeah, Sydney. Well, that's the old Port Adelaide song, the black and the white, the red and the white. So, um, yeah, I don't mind Sydney. I don't either. mind songs of the West. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, like I said, you can actually sing along to that one, yeah. so it's good. Anyways, let's actually read out the best 22 and stop talking shit about the songs. Yes, radio. Taylor Jurey, Alex Keith and Hayden Crozier in the back line with Jason Johannesson, Easton Wood and Caleb Daniel. Uh, midfield, Bailey Smith, Marcus Bontempelli and Lockie Hunter with Tim English, Josh Dunkley and Jack McRae in the ruck. Forward line of Paddy Lipinski, Aaron Norton and Bailey Dale with Josh Shackey, Josh Bruce and Sam Lloyd up forward, leaving Mitch Wallace, Toby McLean, Tom Liberatore and Matt Suckling on the bench. Yeah, the Bulldogs look pretty settled after last year. It was good to see them actually return to playing some decent football. Um, just looking across it, yeah, I can't. Oh, Alex Keith is actually a nice inclusion. Big inclusion. There actually for them. Uh, who does that replace at fullback? Who was Pro- it? Probably like Jack Trengove. 
Yeah, that's right. Jackson Trengove. That's right. So he's out the side. Yes, that's a good in for them there. Um, Yeah, no, look, I think that's a pretty settled side. I would like to see how Tobe McLean goes this year, but we actually Mm. actually talked about him later on. Matt Suckling seems like he's just going to go forever. So I don't know. Just keeps going. (laughs) I just can't think who else comes in for him though. That's all. Looking at that side, maybe I should have done a bit more research before looking at that one. But uh, yeah, look, I think that's a pretty settled side there for the Western Bulldogs. And I think you've gone close there. We'll wait to see what our listeners see when we put it out. I reckon that might be tomorrow. They'll probably pick a few more holes in it than I will. No holes, no holes at all. All right. Talk about your first player. It is Aaron Norton. So this boy is going to be a star and he's entering his magical third year, which we know means breakout. So Norton has one of the best sets of hands in the AFL and did not miss a game of footy in his second season last year. Now, while he only averaged 64 last year, Norton was building something very nicely towards the back end of the year where he averaged 77 points from his last five games. Now, he had 125-point PB against Richmond where he kicked five goals, and he also had three games last year where he took 10 marks plus. So, his biggest scores have been a touch reliant on his goals kicked, but that's been a bit of a two-fold issue for me. So, one, he's had to play closer to the goals as the Bulldogs' number one forward, but now that there are some list changes with the additions to the Dogs, I think it means that Norton can roam free and absolutely tear the competition apart. So Alex Keith has been added to their back line and Josh Bruce to their forward line. Now this means that Norton will basically become the best swingman in the comp and roam free wherever he pleases. So I honestly believe this guy can push high 70s, early 80s this year and will run amok in the AFL this year, a la a Justin Westoff a couple years ago. What do you think, Hav? Well, it's like, same with like Richmond last year. You think... Why is it different for when, uh, I guess, Aaron Norton and uh, where they bring in someone like Josh Bruth to Western Bulldogs? Mm-hmm. Why is it different for them and Norton's going to go big as opposed to neither of Jack Rewalt or Tom Lynch going big last season? They're both key forwards. Yeah, well, so are these guys. Josh Shackey's up there too, man. Yeah. They've got so many forward options now. They've they- got a settled spine. And that means Norton can just do what he wants. I just keep thinking we're ignoring the facts here that key fours just don't score points anymore. I just think you're ignoring the facts that you just <laughs> are blinded by some hatred of guys over I'm six not. foot. I think they're very good pl- footballers and I love watching him play. I love the way he can leave, take a mark, kick snags. I love okay, all that so stuff. If I, said, I just don't think key forwards are going to score fantasy points anymore. So as an Aaron Norton owner, which I am, so there may be a touch bias here, but if I said, mate, do you want Aaron Norton? Would you be like, no? Yeah, well, if you want to get him for free, I'll probably take him because I know we play every week. But just looking at his numbers here on the on the internet he's got what, eight scores below 50 last season he's Something a like that. second year player man I know but still like you talk about his huge game 125 he backs up with a 42 and that's because when they see a player actually like you know stand out like that they would just put five blokes in front of him next week yeah, and he's going to be bigger anything. stronger taller. he's probably grown over the off season he's probably got another couple of centimeters none on of him key, none, of the, none of the best up. key forwards in the game can actually break out and score fantasy points Aaron I don't Norton is going to be a jet man get yeah, on board look he'll be a great player I've got no doubt he'll be like Tom Lynch like you know like one of those type players where very good player uh, Tom Lynch is an actual fantasy. goal kicker yeah. Aaron Norton is a swing man yeah, maybe. He's a bit more of a true man, but I just don't see him being a good fantasy scorer. I don't well, see any of them being good fantasy scorers. No I'll, key forwards. I'll fight you for that. All right. Well, let's do it later. Um, I'm going to talk about Toby McLean for our first, uh, well, for my first Bulldogs player of the night. So let's look at his history uh, in scoring first. So 2016, he went at 73. Mm-hmm. Then 2017, he went at 85. So, you know, he built a good, uh, you know, about 12 points, 13 points per game there. Uh, then he went into 2018 where he kind of broke out and had 94.5, played all 20. 
22 games in that season. Gets to 2019. Everyone's expecting he's got to be the next superstar, and he averages 68.2. Look, 2018, yeah, look, he looked like he's going to be one of the next fantasy scores. In that season, he went at 105 for the first half of the season and had nine 100-plus scores in that season. So, absolutely huge in 2018. So, why didn't he replicate it last year? Well, he had a bit of an injury to his AC joint at the end of uh, 2018 and just was never the same after that. Then it looked like last year that a lot more of, uh, I guess, Western Bulldogs players moved into the midfield ahead of him and he kind of played a lot more up forward. So, um, look, he lost out uh, on midfield time as well just yeah, just to Josh uh, Dunkley and players like that. Just couldn't get in there really. Um, average 68.2 last year. Real mixed bag of scoring. Only one score above 100 and that was in round 21 versus Essendon. And look, there's no guarantee to play midfield again, but if he does, I reckon he could be a real steal in drafts this season if he can manage to get back to, say, his 2018 form. Uh, I disagree because I think he's actually got still fantasy value or fantasy credibility around there. So I don't think he's just going to be like forgotten about. I don't. I think as a McLean owner, you're not going to be like delisting him after that year. Oh, you'd hope not, but you never know. Um, he could be available. I, I don't think he will be. Okay, but for those for those. For those um, leagues who only keep eight or ten or something like that, yeah, he's mate. definitely going to be around and, and that kind of thing. But where he would slide to in a draft, potentially a lot lower because of the, the low average last year. So, you might be able to get a bargain. But He's one of those players that if he's available in a pool, you, you would lose him because you you know he's going to be down in the page three or four or five with the other guys that average 68. Oh, yeah. Well, you hope our listeners are much more astute yeah, yeah. than that. Yes. But I'm just saying they sometimes get lost. They do. Um, and they, I think he can bounce back. I Potentially not to that 94 level, but I think it can easily be a, a mid-80s forward. Yeah. forward. No dramas at all. Yep. All right. Let's move on. Right. The next one is Josh Shackey. So, not really part of my key forward club, but just on the outer. Still needs to give me a bit more to be uh, fully embraced by myself. But uh, I think he's building into a handy key forward and someone you should have in your plans going ahead. Now, while he's set... Uh, yet to set the world alight he does look to have a few fantasy strings to his bow and I think he's going to uh, definitely benefit from the arrival of Josh Bruce so Josh Bruce will play that deep forward which will allow Shaky to get up the ground a bit more and use his athletic ability uh, play higher up the field and hopefully get a bit more ball so he averaged 55 last year but did come home a lot stronger averaging 69 in his last five games he started to hit the scoreboard a lot last year which was fantastic um, and boosted his scores now he stepped into his fifth season this year, um, and I think that Shaky can take his fantasy scoring to the next level. Now, the Dogs forward line will be one to watch this preseason, and I think if they can keep their big three on the park, they look quite potent up there with Bruce, um, Shaky, and Norton. So, not one I'm getting super hyped up about like Aaron Norton because I don't think he's quite that good, but I think that Shaky can be a pretty handy, you know, let's say Tom Hawkins um Jack Rewalt style, um, you know, mid-70s kind of average forward. All right, guys. I really appreciate the analysis you've done on this one, but mm. for the sake of just not repeating myself, mm. I think we're just going to move on with the key forwards. Um, well, fine. But, you know, you, <laughs> you keep going, oh, forwards are so scarce this year, and then you're not listening to this absolute gold that I'm giving you. What do you think? No, he's not going to average any more than 60, so there's no point. I will happily take that bet. Okay, well, I don't bet, but I know. I just don't want to talk about this anymore. Well, you can't okay, no more key keep, forwards. Go, uh, key forwards are shit. I'm always right with key forwards. None of them stood out last year. Everyone we analysed, none of them turned into a fantasy gun. Uh, disagree. Uh, which one? I don't know. Yeah, it's exactly. on my head. <laughs> None of them did. It never happens. Key yeah, forwards don't score anymore. 2020 is the year of the key forward. Unless you're Matt Tabernar and he averaged 80 because he yeah. didn't get injured. When bananas, <laughs> see, injured. you just answered your own question. <laughs> key forwards are back. 
2020. They, they yeah. are not. Uh, let's uh, move on to my next player. See, this is a forward who you okay. He won't be available in many leagues, but if he's forward? in a draft, he's going to be awesome. So, oh, so you're talking about someone who's not relevant to the pod? Well, no, because if you're starting a new keeper league, you want to know where to take this guy. So, okay. Bailey Smith, uh, he's one of the best junior scorers from the 2018 Super Draft. So, let's just remind everyone that this guy averaged 127 in the NAB League and 96 in the under 18 champs, where they have reduced numbers. But it was from a very small sample size, which we made him a little bit risky. Yeah, I, I was about to mention that, but oh, thank okay. you. <laughs> anyway, um, look, but Manny showed the doubters wrong. For the first few games, he was actually, those first few games where he was like playing, he was actually a better scorer than Walsh. Mm. Um, look, he was injured for the final year of his juniors. He missed a lot of football and he played a few. He actually worked his way to get back up for the under 18 championships, which was a big effort. And he, like, even playing half injured, he um, scored quite well the under 18 champs as well. So he still went at pick seven on the back of all this. So that kind of goes to show the class of this kid. So he had very no preseason last year, like basically nothing. He was a shock round one debutant. Mm. They rushed him back like to get a kid back into debut round one. This is how much highly they rate him. So it was a very slow start to his season, playing very low time on ground and spent a lot of that time on ground up forward. So the time on ground numbers really didn't improve until really late in the, in the season as well. So that'll explain the low average. But yeah, he really warmed up at the end. So he played a lot of midfield so, uh, time and Bailey Smith ended up averaging uh, 69 for the season, which is a nice little average there. Um, he went 85 from his last five games. So that's a bit of selective stats because um, if you include the final that he played, um, the average actually comes down to 78.4 because he didn't score that well in that first final. But if you last five games of the season- finals leeway to a kid. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, especially when you're getting done like they did as well. Mm-hmm. Um all right, cool. So, as a forward, these numbers should be gold in Keeper League teams if he can maintain them uh, going forward. So, the issue is, um, I guess, we might not see any midfield time for a while because that midfield is stacked. You know, you've got Bont, uh, Dunkley, McRae, mm-hmm. all those guys way ahead of him. So, he will rotate through with the likes of Mitch Wallace and those types. But, uh, look, he could be a handy forward for time, some time now. That's, I guess, the positive on it because it's unlikely that he will lose his forward status for a little bit because he will still be rotating up there uh, for a while. Mm-hmm. So, I think he could... If he goes on the back he did at the end of last season and takes the next step, no reason why he can't be a high 70s, low 80s forward for the next couple of years. And I think he's going to be a pretty handy one in keeper leagues. So if you're drafting a brand new one, again, you're going to see him at that average of uh, 69, but really he's yeah. probably probably should be picked at the average of about an 80 player. Anyway, so that's just uh, why I thought I'd mention him, Case. I am very keen on uh, Bailey Smith. I think he's going to be a Jet. Um, as a forward, I think you're going to get a good year out of him, maybe another another one after this one but I think after that he's actually just going to become a, a gun midfielder so yeah, it's not going to be gotta, something to worry about it's the thing you got to plan ahead for in keeper leagues I guess is actually think about where they're going to be in the next two years but I think once he matures to be that kind of level of player he's going to be a fantasy gun anyway so I think yep. it's one of those safe ones you can pick up I think as a forward knowing that he'll be a midfielder in the future probably one that could hold Toby McLean out of a proper spot too, yeah I agree you know. Um, rightio, my last player. I'm going to talk about another key forward. Nah, joking. I'm talking about God, Hayden I was about Crozier. to walk out. Uh, so, <laughs> Hayden Crozier. He's a super underrated defender for mine, and I just want to spread some love about Mr. Crozier. So, always one of these guys who's never going to get lots of praise, but believe me, these are the guys that win your games. So, he's only 26 and finally settled in in the dog side. And I also think there's a bit of room for improvement from him. So, uh, 11 of his 21 games last year, he averaged 70 plus um, with uh, 116 being his best score last year. So, he averaged a clean 72, which is what you want from that uh, kind of D3 to D5 defender. And uh, what I like about him is he just goes about getting his 15, 20 touches a game, uses the ball well, 
take some really nice intercept marks. But where I see that little bump coming from this year is the injury to Taylor Jure. So Jure is going to miss a heap of 2020 after having hip surgery in the preseason. Now, this allows my boy Hayden to get a few more of his points. So with uh, JJ, Suckling and Daniel, along with Crozier bound there, it makes up a very attacking back line. Uh, does mean that Keith gets to play that more defensive role and allows Crozier to kind of come in and, and mop up some points there. So I'm looking for him to push into that high 70s, uh, possibly 80s this year. And uh, I did hear during the week that Matt Suckling said he's going to be playing on the wing this year at the Ooh, Bulldogs. So that just means that uh, it could be JJ, Daniel and Crozier back there kind of lapping up those delicious touches. Yeah, I think a mid-70s average this year to maybe a bit higher, maybe the 78 kind, isn't unreasonable for Hayden Crozier, which, yeah, definitely makes him viable for one of your last defender spots. So, um, yeah, I'd monitor a bit more in the uh, preceding to see what, the I guess, the, the news of that playing on the wing, how that weighs mm. up and see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, look, viable defender option. Like, defender options, really. You can make a case for a lot of them yeah. how hard it is to actually find a good one. So, um, yeah, have a look at him, see how he goes, and he might be a good pickup late in your drafts. Rightio, your last player for the rap, Hef. Yeah, so I'm talking about Mitch Wallace. And uh, look, he's 27 years old now. He's coming into his prime. They reckon 27 is about the prime of your career, Since isn't when? it? when? I don't know. I thought that was like when your, your muscular skeletal peak is and you're at your biggest you're going to be and the fittest you're going to be and all that sort of stuff. Okay, I don't Dr. Know. Hef. Yeah, I don't know. I thought I read that somewhere back in uh, year 12 PE, but I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> he averaged 79 last season. And uh, look, his last five years, he's gone at averages of 79, 82, 74, 79, and 89. Looking at his late season numbers from last year as well. He averaged 82 from his last five games of 2019. Now, as a forward, he's pretty relevant in keeper league teams. The good thing about him too as well, he attends a lot of centre bounces and he's an elite clearance player for the Bulldogs as well. He's actually just a really important player for the Bulldogs because I think they win a lot of clearances when he's in there as well. Um, Look, if he can stay fit, there's no reason he can't go back to the 80 mark, I think, as well and be a real handy forward for keeper league teams, Mm -hmm. especially with the midfield time. He's kind of Almost guaranteed to get, I think, as well. Um, he's one that's going to be kind of forgotten on the back of, uh, well, not on the, not forgotten, but he's going to be like lowly rated, I think, with uh, you know missing a few games and I guess the injury concerns over the last few years. What do you think about him? Um, yeah, I think he's just a really handy utility for the dogs. So. Um as a having that DPP, I think makes him a bit more valuable than probably what he would be if he was just a, a mid only. So yeah. um, he's just never one who never seems to set a game on fire in terms of you know nineties or tons or that kind of thing. But just as a genuinely solid you know high seventies eighties player, which is um, super good for your uh, for your um, you know forward line. Whether he can go that big eighty plus def- uh, average, I'm not too sure. But look. Yeah, kind of does fit a good mould. 27, still plenty of life left him in terms of his career. Um, just needs to kind of find a bit more footy consistently, but I think he's a solid enough pick for that uh, late forward spot. All right, uh, that wraps it up for the Western Bulldogs. And now we're going to jump straight into talking about the uh, the Keeper League membership system that we've got going on. So basically, if you like the work that we do, you can sign up to become a member to support the podcast. Basically, every bit of money we make just goes back into the podcast to make it bigger and better for listeners. But, uh, you know, as a thank you for doing so, we give away, uh, I guess, the State League scores. We scrape all those and put them out. So VFL, Waffle, Neeful, Sandful. Um, you can see how your guys are playing in the seconds each week. We give away the draftee scores. So anyone drafted last 
last year in the uh, 2019 AFL draft. You can see what type of fantasy players they are and uh, draft them to your list knowing that they'll probably be good fantasy scorers going mm-hmm. forward. We've also got the breakout tracker which allows you to compare any player to the best players in the competition at the same points in their careers. So uh, yeah, that helps you out there too. So you can actually make an assessment as who's tracking or trending better than some of the best in the competition and who could be the best uh, future scorers. So at the moment, we've been putting out our rankings and a mini episode to go out with our rankings every Friday. This week, we've got forwards coming out. And uh, I guess the big thing that's been the, the biggest hit over the last few weeks is the um, the gold members Facebook group. Now, mm. this week, we actually had people upgrade their gold memberships um, to get into the group. So, they, they were silver members and they went to upgrade, paid Bang. the extra $10 or whatever nice. um, to get into the gold members group. So, that's how kind of popular it's getting. And again, like every day, there's someone posting in their question about their team, everyone helping out with their keepers. Yep. I think lots of uh, decisions are made within that group, um, within the Brains Trust. Yep. So, you're a big fan of it, Kays, because, uh, you know, you, with your league mates, you can't really – they're not going to help you. No. <laughs> your league mates aren't going to help you. The guys that you know that are into fantasy as much as you mm-hmm. are probably aren't going to help you with your team. So, Correct. Yeah. Someone's always trying to screw you over somehow. So yeah. it's nice to have people who are completely unbiased, Yeah. don't want the worst for you, and you can kind of run through a few ideas in your head with them. So uh, it's Ripper, and obviously there's a few, I think there's a few leagues taking off as well through uh, connections in there, which is fantastic. Yeah, so it's actually a great place to look for uh, new league mates and things like that or starting a keeper league as well. So look, if you're keen, uh, sign up, like we said, everything goes back in the podcast and uh, yeah it makes this thing bigger and better but each week we uh, say thank you to a few gold members we do five each week so Kays who are the five that we're thanking this week uh, the five legends this week in the gold members group are Lockie Byrne Gavin Stacey Mark Crunchy Crane, uh, Rory O'Brien, and Ryan Arms. All right. Thank you to those gold members. If you are keen to sign up, head to keeperleaguepod.com.au or just click the uh, link in the description below for the membership. You'll find your way straight there and you can sign up. Uh, Kays, we've got a podcast review this week. Pow. Yeah. Nice one. So this one is from someone called Visilate, and uh, he wrote, Yes. Just started listening and loving it so far. Not a Keeper League player myself, but still lots of valuable information for salary cap and draft. Mm -hmm. Chemistry and flow of the podcast is very clean. Love your work, fellas. Too kind, sir. That is very kind. I love how people actually saying that we're good at speaking on the mic. It's, uh, it's really weird. It is. <laughs> but it is true. I actually do agree with the salary cap kind of uh, hype, even though we don't really talk yeah, about prices. I also prices agree that, that we're an awesome product uh, and an awesome podcast. I do agree, Case. I was talking about, I was going to get into that. That's what I mean. We're, we're awesome for everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. but like, because we talk about the guys who are, you know, 180 or 200, and you know, like yeah. uh, this time of year, especially before round one, you're going to have to come to a few crunch times between who you're selecting between, you know, your cheapies. So, uh, hopefully we can shed a bit of light on who might be worth taking and who might be uh, not worth the hype. Yeah. Um, I was just laughing at that. You agree with the fact that you think your own podcast is good. That's like, that's all I was laughing uh, at. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I'd yeah. listen to us. I don't mind. I'd listen to us if I, we weren't us. If yeah. I weren't on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. That's fine. Uh, we're actually running out of, uh, we're running out of uh, reviews to actually read out. That was the last one we've got in the bank. So, if you feel like being really really kind and you use an Apple device and you listen through Apple Podcasts uh, maybe just think about jumping on giving us a review if you like the show yep. if you don't like it don't worry about it or you mm-hmm. can just give us a bad review we'll take those two we need a bit of honesty every now and then uh, look yeah anything that helps us improve we're happy with so yep if you've got some spare time and use Apple jump on give us a review and we'll be uh, eternally grateful thank you let's move on to the listener questions
All right, Kays, we're moving on to the listener questions to finish off the show. So each week uh, we answer as many questions as we can that don't, uh, I guess, that aren't already covered in our team analysis, mm-hmm. um, you know, segments. So, yeah, we'll move on through this, Kays. Uh, the first question is from Ben Mortimer. Uh, Crozier to continue his halfback role or will he do a lockdown role like the beginning of last year? Ed Richards to resume his halfback spot like his junior years. So two questions there. Yeah, so obviously we touched on Crozier before. I think he, uh, Keith's inclusion and a fit Eastern Wood means that uh, Crozier plays that more attacking back role. And as I said before, I think Dre being injured helps that uh, go ahead too. Um, yeah, with Suckling potentially playing on a wing this year, obviously frees up some more spots back there as well. Now, Ed Richards, I think he's next in line to kind of fill Dre's role. So, along with potentially uh, Lewis Young, who's a bit taller, or Bailey Williams, even if he uh, can return to form, could be a chance of that final spot in the back line too. So, I'm quite confident uh, Crozier's numbers are going to increase this year. Um, but uh, Ed Richards, I think he's sniffing around the mark. And yes, he did have some good fantasy numbers, uh, I think, three years ago when he was a kid. So, one to monitor for sure. Uh, AJS Hawker asks, 12 team, uh, 5, 7, 1, 5, 8 configuration. They keep 13. Mm-hmm. He wants to know, is Ollie Wines, oh, sorry, Ollie Wines, Ollie Florent worth keeping and what do you see him averaging this season as his potential maximum average in the future? Now, can you say the word Ollie without putting Wines after it? Yeah, I can. I just, I just when I see Ollie, my brain just goes on autopilot. But yeah. I don't own Ollie Wines anymore, so I've rid of him out of my team. So Anyway, we're talking about a better Ollie, Ollie Florent. Um, yes. I think he is definitely worth keeping. I'm looking at him to score around the 90 mark this season. I, for, for his whole maximum career average, I think he's kind of like that. Uh, he can be that 100 kind of player. He's a bit Luke Parkery in terms of um, I think he can kind of go forward, impact the scoreboard up there, um, bit of a bigger frame once he kind of grows into his body. I think he kind of will be that, yeah, that low – 100 midfield average once he kind of gets to it. But uh, I don't think there's any reason he can't push into the 90s this year if we can kind of see what he was doing late last year. A bit more um, responsibility in that midfield and I think he'll naturally develop quite nicely. All right, Kays, what's the next question? Next question is from Matt Nicholas. So, can Nick Nat get through a full full season and how much improvement will we see in Tim English? Uh, yeah, look, with Nick Nat, we talked about him before. Um, I think he can get through a full season, but he'd have to do that with low time on ground numbers. So, that doesn't matter because hopefully his point per minute numbers are enough to uh, jump him back up. So, like I said earlier, he could average 80. Um, so, that's if he does get through the full season. In terms of uh, Tim English, well, he'd have to start winning some hitouts, I reckon, to see his numbers rise any further because I think he's doing around the ground stuff really well. So, it'd be interesting to see if he's bulked up anymore in the offseason or how he's actually, you know, working with the, as a tap ruckman because um, that's where he will find – he will actually grow pretty quickly if he can actually start winning a few taps because that's just easy ways to get points. So, look, he can win – oh, sorry, he can rise. His numbers can rise. He just needs to actually start winning more taps. All reports out of the Bulldogs is that Tim English is in beast mode at the moment. He's uh, ripped. He's huge. He's ready to go. So That's what I want to see. That's uh, very exciting for Tim English owners all around Australia, including myself. Uh, next questions from Tom Agnew. Thoughts on Jordan Dawson breakout potential? Well, I think in keeper leagues, he already has kind of broken out for keeper leagues because 80 plus is kind of what you're aiming for for those kind of defenders. If you got him, but, you ain't getting rid of him. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But if you want him to go kind of 90, 100 plus type thing, I think he needs to play midfield. So if him and Lloyd are playing on the opposing, uh, sorry, halfback flanks, they're going to affect each other. So look, if he plays midfield, he can go bang. 
whether he does that this season, like Horse is just great for not playing players in their best positions. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm hoping that he sees the light because some of his midfield games, he actually showed he can be an absolute superstar because he can take, you know, grabs up forward. He can take grabs down back. He can, you know, win possessions through the middle. He's actually a gun. He just needs to play in the guts, I think, and actually let off the chain. Like everyone else in the Sydney side. Yeah, and everyone else in the Hoofers side too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no one cares. <laughs> uh, next question, Craig Carter. Um, what's the average draft position for the top 10 rucks. So I went on big, uh, sorry, big footy. I went on ultimate footy today and I ripped the average draft position for every player in the comp. Um, look, I'm going to give these away. I'm going to give away a spreadsheet to uh, the gold members in the gold members group. Um, basically a spreadsheet of all these numbers that updates and things like that. But uh, the issue at the moment is because there's so few, um, I guess, drafts been done mm. and there's a lot of keeper retentions that have been played with the draft picks that are kept with the late picks in the draft it skews the numbers a little bit yep, but time. I can give you the top 10 at the moment but there's some random ones in here so Max Gorn's kept uh, sorry it's average draft position is higher than Brody Grundy so Max Gorn 1 Brody Grundy 2 then Jared Witts then Todd Goldstein then Rowan Marshall Riley O'Brien after that and then coming in next is Matthew Flynn so <laughs> that's because someone's obviously kept him some Somewhere and there's probably been like two drafts happening and his average draft position is just stupidly at 87 because that's where they put him in as the keeper spot in the um, in the, the draft selection. So it's a bit weird. But then you've got Stefan Martin, Scott Lysett and Ben McAvoy. So this happens every year where you've just got to wait like before, you know, a month before like a lot of drafts get done and then we can actually get a more accurate representation of average draft uh, position because on Ultimate Footy, the keepers going in with late picks and late selections yep. um, allocated there really screws, screws up the numbers. So. To be honest, you know, disregard the ADPs there, but that's probably an order that would be pretty similar in terms of most what with Matthew, structures. Matthew no, Flynn apart in there. from Matthew Flynn. <laughs> so take him out, whack someone else in. But you know, yeah, Grody obviously, Grody, Grody, Brody Grundy obviously before Gone. Yeah, but yeah, apart from that, it's actually quite yeah. Grundy, Gone, Wits, Goldstein, Marshall, O'Brien, yeah. Martin, Lysett, McAvoy. You know, I think yeah. that's pretty decent order in terms of that. Yeah, ask ask that question again in three weeks when some more drafts have been done. We'll get a better idea of what it actually is. Done. Next question, Hef. Uh, Andrew Kenny asks, I have James Rowbottom on the bubble as a keeper. Is he a hold over any number of eight random draftees? Uh, yes, for me. So, he's got the runs on the board, opportunity in the side, the junior numbers, yes. And I think when you're talking about going into um, keeper leg drafts, you know, looking at just um, picking up um, draftees, you know, there's so much risk involved. Like, potentially, Matty Rao is going to be a jet and will be one that will stand out straight away. But um, everyone else, I think that row bottom this year is going to be that far ahead of, you know, most of the other pack in terms of the draftees. So, I think um, having that DPP makes him a much more valuable commodity and I'd be holding him over going into the draft um, too early. I would potentially take Raul over him and maybe Anderson as well just because the report's coming out from Friday night. Apparently, Anderson by some people reckon he was more impressive than Rao just because of, um, I guess, the quality that he was playing with and against. Um, they reckon as a natural game, Anderson's game probably looked a little bit nicer in terms of fantasy as well. Mm-hmm. But um, look, so that's kind of swayed me swayed me towards him. So either of those two, I'd probably take before James Rowbottom. But, uh, and just because I know they're going to get lots of opportunities up at Gold Coast. I know there's the Sydney too, but the Sydney just have a better side. So Rowbottom's just going to be down the pecking order a little bit. So maybe one of those two, but then I think James Rowbottom will probably take over the rest of the draftees, I think. Interesting take. Next right. question. 
Dale Young asks, thoughts on Quainer. Uh, does he get a gig across Collingwood's back flank this year with Varco out the way? Well, uh, I definitely think he can slot into their side, but the big question is, will he be a big fantasy scorer? And the answer to that is, I don't think so. So, looking back through his junior numbers, he never really notched up anything big. Um, and looking at his VFL numbers last year, uh, averaged a solid 70, which had scores of uh, two in the 90s and 107 PB. For me, he's kind of that class player, uh, not a real pig. So, potentially kind of slots into a future D4 or 5 position if he can hold that 70, you know, 75 average going forward um, for Collingwood. But So, you could probably make a case for him as, as that late defender, but it really depends on where, you, where you're looking at taking him there. Um, is he going to be a 80, 90, 100? I don't think so, but will he be a, a solid 70s? I think so. I'm surprised he didn't go with a future D1, 2, 3, 4, 5, that range. Uh, I thought about it. I even had D3 to 5 right down here, but I pulled it back to 4-5 because okay. I was- Reined it in a little bit. Yeah, I just thought I'd be a bit more accountable to myself. Yeah, but uh, I, he's, he, the games he played in the AFL last year were really good. I really enjoyed watching him play. I just don't know whether he's going to be a real fantasy pig. Watching his junior career pretty closely, exactly the same thoughts. Quality of a quantity type player. He came into the AFL and he was pretty good in his first week. I think he had like yep. 80 or yeah, 70s or something like that. Yep. And everyone was like, oh, this guy's going to be a fantasy jet. But I think that's his like maximum. Yep. Like that's He had like the perfect game that he could have done. Agreed. And I think you're going to see a lot of lower numbers because, um, yeah, like I said, he's more of a quality of a quantity type player. Mm-hmm. You need those back flankers that are just going to rack him up and that sort of stuff. And I don't think he's one of them. Correct. Next question is from at... Sav Brigus, uh, new keeper league. What pick would you be selecting Rosie with? Yeah, look, it's hard to tell with how many teams are in the mm-hmm. in the league and that stuff. So, so say if you're like us, you have a twelve team league. It's almost getting to the point from what I saw on the weekend that you start to take him with either your second or your third forward. And I guess the way that I draft, that usually works out. Well, I usually go captain option first, obviously. Then I like to pick up a couple top range defenders, top line defenders. That could change this year with the scarcity if I was redrafting. Um, and then I like to go probably a top line forward, then another couple midfielders, then go back to a forward. So that brings him around about the seven, eight. My seventh or eighth pick is where I try to pick someone like that up. So no, forward, second forwards, third forward around that range. So I reckon inside your first 10 picks, it's almost Rosie time. Because the thing with Rosie as well, though, I think he's going to be a star. And But I don't think he's going to lose forward status despite him to being talked up as a, a bit, lot of midfield time this year. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be too valuable, especially once Gray um, retires for them to move him out of there completely. Yeah. So I think Rosie is going to be a forward for a while and going to be a decent scoring one too. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I go that early on him. I think with that type of player, like, you know, there's always going to be guys that you have a big um, love for, I suppose, and people go higher with Rosie people, he might slide. So, I'd probably be more pushing back to a maybe a 10 to 12 range, 10 to 10 range, 10 to 12. But, you know, that could change. It depends what you're drafting for and and, and that kind of thing. Like I said, I think, uh, yeah, I'll probably revise it. Probably to 8 to 10, not 7. Maybe it's a bit early. But, yeah, 8 to 10, you think 10 to 12. Poor bias. Depends what you're going for. But, no, I I like picking up positional players early. And I think the younger ones that can actually show they can score fantasy-wise or they're going to get a run through the midfield. I just really like – I know this is biased as Port Adelaide, but I think if you've got if, you, if you've got a young player that plays for Port Adelaide, they're going to get opportunities at the moment. They're going to just – they're not afraid to throw kids into the midfield and see how they go. So I think you can you can go all right with a few young Port players. Sounds like a good reason to keep Ken. Oh, God, no. Maybe for fantasy. Maybe that's a good thing. I think Port were one of the better fantasy scorers last year, but they couldn't do it on the scoreboard, so it doesn't really matter. Um, at Henry Katz, uh, Will Bailey, the Bulldog Williams, uh, nod to the draft doctors there, um, get a decent run at uh, this year. 
I picked him up in with my 39th pick in a 40-man squad. Would be stoked if he hits the park regularly this year, but not sure if... So, but not sure. Beveridge rates him as high as HK Doss does from the draft orders. So true. Uh, tough one, but I think with Jeray out, there's a spot up for grabs. So, it does seem that does seem like Bevo hates him because uh, he's a great scorer when he gets a chance. I was pretty hot on him the last couple of years, but just hasn't been best 22 the last couple of years. So, and the role that he plays is interesting too. Now, what perplexed me was he re-signed with the Bulldogs when he probably could have explored free agency and gone somewhere else. I did read a report throughout the week that he says he's fitter than ever this preseason and Ooh. is looking to play like Easton would. Now, that is not good fantasy-wise. No. So, if he's trying to model his game on Easton Wood being that, um, you know, kind of locked down sometimes intercept defender it's not good but uh look at pick 39 out of 40 i think that's a fine um fine place to take him because it's it's not much risk so um you never know he could come good but um if he wants to play like eastern wood uh potentially good for his career but not good for his fantasy numbers isn't eastern wood a suburb in melbourne no or is it eastwood Probably Eastwood. There's an know. Eastwood in Adelaide too. Oh, is there? I'm just yeah. thinking if he wants to play like the suburb, I'm not sure. But <laughs> um, no, I was just trying to think of any other way that you could not play like Eastern Wood. Maybe you're just re- referring to something else. But uh, no, looks Bad. like that's just horrible news for uh, fantasy owners out there. I just don't even see how that works. That's weird. Um, anyway, Nick Stagno Navara, can you order... Can you order the three Premier Bulldogs mid? Sorry, I really struggle when there's no full stops and punctuations in things. So, um, sorry. Can you order the Bulldogs three Premier mids? Do you have them in the same order if it's a keeper league or not? So, good question here. So, thinking about it today, I would take McRae one, Dunkley two, Bont three. Now, McRae's 25, Dunkley's 23, Bont's 24. So, in terms of age, you're still going to have plenty of good years in all of them. But for me, you just can't beat McRae's pigginess and also his consistency. Like, he just never lets you down. Uh for me, he's also the least likely of the three to ever kind of go forward and play that forward line role. Now, we've seen Dunkley play forward a bit um, before he kind of broke out last year. Uh, they seem to throw Bont up forward every now and then uh, when they need him to. So, I think regardless of whether it's a redraft or a keeper league, I'd be pretty happy to back in McRae as one. Um, and I think that Dunkley can get off the chain a bit more than Bont. So, that's my order. Uh, Hef, do you have any uh, disagreements there? I actually saw this one come through on uh, Facebook and I went to go write in the show doc and answer it and you'd already answered it in the exact same way I was going to answer it. So, yeah, no, nah, that's Great it. Great minds. Yeah. Think alike. McRae, same deal. Absolute superstar. Probably best mid in the competition that you could get. Dunkley has is an absolute freak in terms of fantasy because he pushes out those 150s, 160s. I think yeah. he sometimes even goes bigger than that. Bont is just really serviceable. He's going to get you 100 each week, but he doesn't have the captain option, I guess, benefit no. of the other two, I think. So, yeah. yeah, that's the order I'd go with as well. That's a wrap for tonight, Hef. We're Sweet. done. Sweet. Uh, we're going to keep it to – if we don't ramble on too long, we're going to keep it to under 90 minutes here. So, wow. that's uh, really good because we were scared we we're going to go way over <laughs> and make it the longest episode of the season so far. And I think it already is. But anyway, um, yeah, that's it. So, if you haven't done so already, check out all our socials on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All the links are in the description below. Check out the membership stuff we've got going on. Again, links below, but head to keeperleague.com. 
uh, sorry, keeperleaguepod.com.au if you want to head straight there and check them out now. Um, and yeah, next week is the start of the Marsh series. So um, stay tuned for um, we'll, hopefully all things go to plan. We'll be putting up some time on ground uh, adjusted numbers, so some points, points per minute numbers mm-hmm. up on our website. So stay tuned for those. We've got uh, three more analysis articles coming out on the website for the rest of this week. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, is there anything else to add? Uh, so we've got uh, St Kilda Hawthorne. Bulldogs North, yep. Melbourne Crows, Suns, Cats, and Lions power this week. Yep. Which game excites you the most out of a uh, fantasy perspective? Uh, from a fantasy perspective, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Any, I'm, I'm just keen to have some footy back, to be honest. Yeah. I don't really care. I'm very keen to see how the Suns go. Actually, yeah, that's probably the biggest one. I was just Because there's going to be a lot yeah. of people watching that game intently going, I've got number one pick in my draft, aka me. Do I go with Matt Rowe or yeah, do you, you go with someone? Decent someone indication. Else? Yeah. yeah, so it's going to be good to see him play against, and it's a good side too with Geelong. So, all right, footy's back, mate. Cool, it is. Uh, yeah, and again, thanks to Remedy uh, Kombucha for supplying us with some drinks for yeah, the show. I and, feel uh, refreshed. I'm very refreshed, and the gut health feels good. And uh, look, I had no sugar tonight, so I'm going to sleep well. And yeah, I'm very happy with this. We're so healthy. I know we are. All right, that wraps it up for another week. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. See ya. <laughs>